You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of June 9th, 2019. The podcast that cut it down to 305. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's de-ameliorate the news of the bogus. So there's a report in The Guardian about how gun homicides in the Bay Area have dropped 30% in the past decade, compared to a 7% drop nationwide. But that had nothing to do with gun control. Turns out, other factors were involved. At a time when property crimes have spiked to the highest in the country, it's curious that the homicide rate will have dropped so much relative to the rest of the country. The Guardian's analysis, which looked at more than 100 cities and towns in the Bay Area, found that gun homicide rates fell across all racial groups, but the largest decrease was in black residents. This coincides with criminal justice reforms reducing the number of incarcerated people. Yes, the fewer people imprisoned, the lower the gun homicide rate. Less offensive policing strategies and treating many crimes as mental health problems that don't involve law enforcement also played a role. Focusing law enforcement resources also helps. A majority of the homicides in Oakland, for example, were committed by just 0.16 of the city's population, or just 700 people. The biggest drop in gun homicides happened in cities undergoing the most so-called gentrification. But despite all of these gains, residents still say they don't feel safe, so public perception isn't adapting to the newer conditions. But in many cases, it's justified. The homicide rate remains high in poor, predominantly black areas. The majority of gun homicides are black people killing black people in poorer, segregated neighborhoods. And as The Guardian points out, it's this violence, not mass shootings, that is the biggest problem. The Bay Area cities with the worst homicide rates saw the greatest gains, and these aren't single-year drops. It's a sustained decrease over the past decade. One problem with this Guardian report is that they alternate between saying gun homicides and just homicides. They mention the gun homicide rate being 25 times higher than other countries, but don't mention that the overall homicide rate is about the same when you figure in all weapons and other things like how they're counted differently. Also, in their charts for the 30% figure, they just say the homicide rate instead of gun homicides like they say in the article itself, so it's unclear which statistic they're actually looking at. But all of these improvements show us what most of us have known all along, that the solution is not more gun control and more cops. It's a better economy and a less authoritarian approach to important issues. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. 
You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. And it looks like it might be California week here at Bogosity, because while Bay Area politicians have been learning lessons about homicide, California lawmakers as a whole apparently haven't learned a thing about rent control. And they're really slow on the uptake, too, because economists and really anyone who's taken an Econ 101 course know it doesn't work. But in the California legislature, Assembly Bill 1482 has already passed the House. This bill would limit rent increases to 5% above the inflation rate. But as anyone who's ever seen a supply-demand graph will tell you, capping rent will only cause a shortage, making California's housing crisis even worse. And of course, the bill will do nothing about artificial limitations by state and local governments, impeding many people who want to create new rental properties, which is what you really need to get rents down. This will also stifle investments into new construction and expansion of properties, something else that could help the issue. Not only that, it will leave landlords with less of an operating budget to upgrade and improve the properties they do have. Landlords always operate on a narrow margin. This would choke their budgets even more, leaving them to forego improvements and even prioritize maintenance and repair. So why are they doing this? Who do they think they're helping? They claim they're helping the poor, but there's no way anyone can look at the data and think that. In fact, it's usually the poor who are left out in the cold, figuratively and literally. And their own study confirms it. In 2015, the Legislative Analyst's Office released a study on why California is becoming so unlivable, and the main reason by far was over-regulation of real estate. Their solution was simply to allow more housing to be built. But California politicians just don't seem to want to listen. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Well, okay, not all of the stories this week are about California. This one's about Google. Not specifically, but about a practice that Google and other advertising systems do that everyone has taken for granted. Targeted advertisement. It makes perfect sense that if you can collect some data about a person's interests, then you can target advertising to that individual, and there's a bigger chance he'll actually buy what you want to sell. I know, speaking for myself, that if I have to view ads, I'd rather see ads for things I might actually be interested in buying. But guess what? 
It turns out that publishers aren't seeing any extra revenue from heavily targeted ads, at least according to a study by researchers from the University of Minnesota, Carnegie Mellon University, and the University of California, Irvine. Hey, what do you know? We did work California into this story. The authors found that publishers only get about 4% more revenue for an ad impression with a cookie enabled than one without, coming to only eight one-thousandths of a cent per advertisement. Quote, Consider a website with 500,000 sessions per day. Average number of page views per session is two, and average number of ads shown on each page is four. In total, the website shows, sells, an average of four million ads per day. If the website had to choose not to set tracking cookies on the visitors, according to our estimate, it would forfeit about $320 in revenue per day, or almost $10,000 per month. If setting tracking cookies on visitors was cost-free, the website would definitely be losing money. But advertisers pay much more than that to get that cookie. According to a 2009 study, advertisers pay 2.68 times as much for a targeted ad as they do for one that isn't targeted. The middleman fee that Google and others charge for programmatic advertising can be 60 cents on every dollar advertisers spend. Unfortunately, marketing flunkies can be resistant to data, choosing to go with their preconceived notions about the magic of advertisement. So I don't expect a lot of them to be pulling out of targeted advertising because of this. But maybe it's a start, and maybe it's one more tool privacy advocates can use to make a real change. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to retrocoagulate this week's biggest bogan emitter. We've done Bernie Sanders a few times before. Here he takes another one for basically saying that the only reason people would point out what a freaking hypocrite he is is because they're anti-Semitic. Specifically, he said it about, of all places, Politico, in their article, The Secret of Bernie's Millions, where they asked, how did he amass three houses and a net worth approaching at least $2 million? For example, they wrote, in the wake of his 2016 presidential run, the most lucrative thing he's ever done, the 77-year-old self-described democratic socialist is a three-home-owning millionaire with a net worth approaching at least $2 million. Taking into account his publicly outlined assets and liabilities, along with the real estate he owns outright. 
In a strict bottom line sense, Sanders has become one of those rich people against whom he has so unrelentingly railed. The champion of the underclass and castigator of the 1% has found himself in the socioeconomic penthouse of his rhetorical boogeyman. This development, seen mostly as the result of big bucks brought in by the slate of books he's put out in the past few years, predictably has elicited snarky pokes, partisan jabs, and charges of hypocrisy. The Millionaire Socialist! In an interview with the Young Turks, Sanders said, quote, Call that what it is, an anti-Semitic article. Joining in this call is one of our new favorite idiots, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who has done far more to turn people off from socialism than we ever could. She especially made a big deal of the supposedly anti-Semitic illustrations that accompany the article, particularly one of Bernie standing next to a tree made of money and another of him holding one of his houses in his hand while balancing the other two on his shoulders. What they have to do with anything Jewish is a mystery solved only in her cavernous cranium. Sanders' chief of staff, Ari Rabin Havit, called it an anti-Semitic trope. Sanders' speechwriter, David Sirota, also tweeted, quote, Meet at Politico, a D.C. newspaper that sees a president call Nazis very fine people and then decides to create a graphic putting a money tree behind the president's Jewish opponent whose father's family was killed by Nazis. Uh, what does any of that have to do with the article? Funny how they also don't seem to want to point out that Sanders himself was a vocal supporter of the Soviet Union, including their gulags and breadlines. Glass houses, people. What none of them did was actually counter any of the points the article made. In fact, every single word they said falls squarely into not-an-argument territory. While the Politico article talks about everything he did over a long period of time to try and amass this amount of wealth, all the while claiming that he didn't want to be rich. This is just desperation from Bernie and his spoiled rich cronies to try and stop these well-deserved accusations of hypocrisy from sticking. Just like every single criticism of Obama was racist, and every single criticism of Hillary was sexist, it looks like every single criticism of Bernie is going to be anti-Semitic. The Democrats keep showing over and over again that they don't have any other response to criticism. Which is a shame, because all that behavior is going to do is just solidify another four years of Trump. So all of that makes Bernie Sanders this week's biggest bogan emitter. Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now let's sepulture this week's Idiot Extraordinary. 
Yeah, four more years of Trump. Wonderful. Well, at least I'll have plenty of material for the podcast. Yes, he takes it again for statements that are so mind-bogglingly stupid. You have to wonder how his handlers can be as moronic as he is, because there's no way all of this just slipped past them. So as it turns out, surprise, surprise, Trump isn't a genius playing 4D chess to get better trade deals for the U.S. and is actually going to put hideous tariffs on Mexican imports to try and stop illegal immigration. According to Trump's tweet, on June 10th there will be a 5% tariff on all Mexican goods and that will continue until illegal immigration from Mexico stops. The tariff will gradually increase 5% every month if illegal immigration continues. Okay, first bewilderingly moronic thing. Unlike what is claimed by Trump's unthinking supporters replying in support of his tweets, Mexico will not be paying this tariff. That's not how tariffs work. Americans pay for it for all the Mexican goods we purchase. It's a direct tax paid by American businesses and consumers. Last year, Americans bought $346 billion worth of goods from Mexico. If that stays constant, and it won't, but we'll cover that in a minute, the additional 25% we'll be paying by October will end up being an additional $87 billion. Second, the number of illegal immigrants coming from Mexico has been declining for years, and that started years before Trump became president. Now, maybe Trump is referring to immigrants from Central and South America coming through Mexico, but they generally aren't illegal immigrants. They come here legally to apply for asylum. Also, what would actually count as the problem being remedied? Would it mean more Mexicans going home than immigrating here? Because that's also been the case for years and was so for years before Trump took office. In addition, the federal government actually won't be getting that $87 billion on Mexican goods because in all probability, we'll stop buying goods from Mexico and start buying them from elsewhere. But the reason we're not buying them now is because they're too expensive. Mexico gives them to us more cheaply, so we'll have to pay more money out of pocket for goods from elsewhere. What number am I on? I lost count. I think it's fifth. Fifth. Even if tariffs work the way Trump thinks they do, and they don't, this will just make the problem worse. By forcing Mexico to pay more to export to the U.S., or more realistically by them selling less to the U.S. because Americans are taking their money elsewhere, as I just said, it'll harm the Mexican economy. When the Mexican economy weakens, more illegals try to come to the U.S. Another issue is that this is getting in the way of Trump's U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Trump backed off of the steel and aluminum tariffs a few weeks ago to help it get passed. Now he wants to put tariffs on steel, aluminum, and everything else from Mexico? According to Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, quote, Following through on this threat would seriously jeopardize passage of USMCA, a central campaign pledge of President Trump's, and what could be a big victory for the country. Moreover, geez, I'm running out of conjunctions here. Trump is undermining his own defense of the trade war. The whole idea has been that Trump is using tariffs to get better deals for the U.S. So far, there haven't been any, but what Trump just did makes it obvious that he is not doing this to get a better deal. In fact, it's likely to scuttle any deals that are already in progress. And finally, it doesn't even seem that Trump has the legal authority to do this in the first place. Raising revenue must start with a bill in the House. Trump had to stretch the Trade Expansion Act of 1962 to impose the steel and aluminum tariffs, but that law doesn't apply to immigration. 
Also, the International Emergency Powers Act has never been used to impose tariffs before, so at the very least there are going to be numerous legal challenges tying this up for a very long time. How many ways was that completely stupid? I lost count. But it was certainly enough to make Donald Trump this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Gather Round and Haggle edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from L. Neal Smith. Money, first and foremost, is a medium of communication, conveying the information we call price. Government control of the money supply is censorship, a violation of the First Amendment. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed at a Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Low Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now.